welcome to Grace Life Church Podcast. If you would like any more information about us, please visit our website, gracelife.com.au. In January this year, we had the seven days of prayer and fasting. And at the end of that seven-day period, um, I was getting out of the car at Grace Life in Malaga. And Bunny, I don't know if you know Bunny and uh, Yvonne, but he's, he's a great guy. He's got a real servant heart. And Bunny came and he always helps, gets my bag, gets my bag, takes it down to the chair and, and looks after me and he's really good. And he said to me, he said, Pastor Bob, I'm believing for a creative miracle for you. And so oh, when I heard creative miracle, you know, I thought That's, I really need a creative miracle because in November last year, I had to go to my GP about this hip and she sent me for an x-ray and I had to go and see a specialist. Oh, yes, and it's, uh, it's no good. It's bone on bone. There's not a bit of gristle there. There's not a bit of cartilage. You're bone on bone. So there's nothing we can do. We'll have to chop it out and put an artificial one in for you. So I'm on a waiting list. I'm, I don't have private medical, I'm a pleb, you know, I'm one of the peasants. And so I've got to wait 12 months uh, or so. Uh, but I'm really glad about that because I'm believing for a creative miracle. And uh, I thought, well, Bunny, I'll agree with you in that. And ever since that time, I've been into the word looking for stuff about that would encourage me to believe for a creative miracle. I'm, I'm just, uh, I made myself this trolley bag so I don't have to carry anything. And I can, uh, I'm just getting my glasses out, that's all, don't worry. <laughs> everything is a load of paraphernalia these days. <laughs> and I do everything in slow motion. <laughs> but but praise God, I can still do it, and I can still keep going, and I'm still praising the Lord, and I'm still believing, and I'm believing for this supernatural thing to take place. And then Pastor Josh says, oh, you, you speak, you know, he, he prints out this thing where we're speaking, and the theme for this uh, next few weeks is think, speak, and act. And at the elders' meeting on Monday, I said, hey, where did you get the idea for this thing, think, speak, and act thing? He said, you suggested it at the, at the leadership retreat in November. Oh, I said, I've had a seniors moment since then. <laughs> so so uh, well, I thought, oh, well, it, it must be good if I've thought about it. <laughs> but uh, so, so here I am this morning, and I, I'm, I'm on a journey. Uh, I, I'm... I'm looking for this creative miracle to take place. Uh, I'm looking for, and in fact, when I went back to my GP, this is a wonderful thing. Um, she, she, she's a Filipino lady, and uh, Dr. Leah, and I, I went back to see her, and uh, uh, with regard to, I, I needed some, some morphine, which by the grace of God, I'm not taking anymore, hallelujah. So I'm a step in the right direction. And I was on Celebrex, a painkiller, and I've stopped taking, well, my prescription ran out, so I thought I'm not going to get any more. I'm just going to carry on and give God time to put this cartilage back in me. Because 
you know, if I'm thinking and I'm speaking and I'm acting, I've got to not only think about it and speak about it, I've got to do something about it. And Margaret bought me a book as well, 800 Calories a Day by Dr. Michael Mosley. Mosley. And uh, so I'm on 800 calories a day. And since January the 7th, I have lost 14 kg. So uh, that's enough. And so that's a practical thing that's taking the weight off my hip. And I've got another 17 kg to go. But I'm nearly halfway, so praise God. And it's wonderful. So, yeah, so, so this, this whole um, message about thinking and about acting and, uh, and speaking. And I, and I thought of this scripture straight away. Obviously, the first one that comes into your mind is Proverbs 23, 7, where it says, uh, uh, as a man thinks in his heart, so he is. We are what we think, not what we think we are. Um, and so... Uh, it, it does affect us how we think about stuff. But then the, the, the big scripture that came to me was Joshua 1 and verse 8, where, uh, it, it, well, it, it, it's, um, it's God speaking to Joshua. He says, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. Everybody say mouth. That's Speak. Uh, but you shall meditate in it day and night. Meditate is think. Uh, that you may observe to do all that is written according to this law. For then, so that's an act to do. So then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. So as I kind of got into this and I started thinking about it, I actually started thinking about what are some other words that, that mean to think. So this is number one, think. If you're taking notes, write think down. T-H-I-N-K. Think. And I, I, I just sat down with the back of an envelope and I, I was having a coffee in the coffee shop. I thought I'll write some. And then I, so I thought think is to question. When you question, you are thinking investigatively. Then I thought, well, thinking is to understand. That's to think comprehendingly. Then when you think, you dream. That's to think subconsciously. And when you think, you imagine. That's to think pictorially. And when you think, you conceive stuff up here. And that is to think creatively. And to think is to muse. That's when you just think randomly. But then the one I'm concentrating on is meditate, and that is to think reflectively or deeply. Just like Bob said this morning, he's a bit of a deep thinker. He investigates stuff. And I'm a bit like that too. So, and that's what I'm doing in relation to this creative miracle. I'm, I'm, I'm on a quest. I've got loads of leaflets in here that are all about my creative miracle, scriptures that I've looked up, memory verses that I've written out. So I'm every day, I'm, I'm, I'm speaking in the life of God into this body of mine for it, the same spirit, it says in Romans 8, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. Uh, if the same spirit that raised him... Uh, what does it say? 
if the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead quicken dwells in you is it yeah dwells in you it shall he shall quicken your mortal body that quicken is a King James version word for making it alive and so I'm believing that this body of mine, and, and I know you can say, well, look, Bob, I know you're 82, fair dues, you're supposed to wear out by this time, but, but there was a guy in the Bible who didn't wear out, and he was as strong when he was 80, going into the promised land, Joshua and Caleb, as he was when he, when he was wandering around the wilderness with those that didn't believe, and his strength was still there. And so I'm believing. And, and I know you're looking at me and you say, well, you're not doing very well. You know, you're hobbling about with your stick. So what are you doing preaching about creative miracles for? Well, as of this moment, God has not said, my grace is sufficient for you yet. He said it to Paul when he sought the Lord about, mind you, he had a messenger from Satan. I've not had a messenger from Satan. I've just got a messenger from the fall of Adam. This is the result of the fall, not, not, not a messenger of Satan. And he did have, so, so I'm believing and I've started thinking about scriptures. And the very one that we've celebrated as breaking of bread this morning, Isaiah 53, who... <laughs> For who has believed our report, Isaiah says? Uh, and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as of a root out of a dry ground. There's no form or comeliness that we should desire him. But he was bruised, sorry, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes you are healed. And so Peter picks this up in his epistle and says exactly the same thing, but when he says it, he's looking back to the cross. Isaiah was looking forward to the cross. And so Peter says, by his stripes you were healed. And so I'm just saying, and I start thinking about that, and I think, yeah. And, uh, and then it says, but he was, uh, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. It was upon him and by his stripes. Uh, let, let me just, let me just re read it here. Because it goes on to say, uh, uh, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. But we esteemed him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. Now, when I read that, I thought, oh, truly he's borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Well, I'm not really grieving, you know. I mean, I'm still quite, even though it's a bit of a pain, I'm still quite happy. And I'm not really sorrowful. Because I, my old pastor used to say, he had this little quip that he would say, I think I've said it before to you, but I'm 82 and I repeat myself now and again, you know. <laughs> it's better to shout than doubt. It's better to rise than fall. It's better to bubble all over with joy than have no bubble at all. <laughs> and so, and so that, I'm kind of like that all the time anyway, you know, even again, you know. But I speak to it in the name of Jesus and I, and I come against it. But when I read this in Matthew 10, this very same where, where Matthew says, 
Oh, uh, oh, Jesus went about and he healed them and everybody that came got healed. As was spoken by the prophet Isaiah, truly he has borne our sicknesses and carried our diseases. He doesn't say griefs and sorrows. He says sicknesses and diseases. And so I think, hey, hey, well, ha, ha. This is a contradiction in the Bible. Ha, ha, ha. I found a contradiction. Ha, 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 ha. <laughs> but no, I hadn't. Because when I start looking at the Hebrew word for grief and sorrow, it's actually translated everywhere else in the Old Testament, sickness or disease. Everywhere else. And for some reason, I don't know what the King James fellows were on about here, that they put griefs and sorrows, but they did instead of putting... Sin. But praise God, Matthew got it right. And then I asked myself, okay... Praise God, by his stripes, I am healed. So I'm standing on that in the name of Jesus. And I'm believing for it in the name of Jesus. And I'm confessing it in the name of Jesus. But then a lady came to, to stay with us, a friend of ours. And she's really much into the, the word, you know, speaking the word and that. She, and she's saying, well, you need to confess the word and you'll get healed. I said, well, maybe I haven't got enough faith. And she said, well, you only have to have great faith as a grain of mustard seed. Because I'd got in my mind, and then I start. so when she'd gone, I thought, I'm going to have a look at this business about faith. And I found out that faith is only ever mentioned twice in the Old Testament. Deuteronomy 32 is the first time, and it says, my people have no faith. That's, that's not a good start for the faith word, is it? You know, no faith. And then the other one is in Habakkuk 2.4, where it says, the just shall live by his faith. And so that's the only two. But, but then, so I thought, well, I, I have got faith. But then maybe I'm like those two guys on the road to Emmaus. Maybe my faith's a bit slow, because Jesus said, oh, slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have said. And Isaiah was a prophet, so I thought, well, maybe I'm a bit slow on the uptake. But then I thought, no, I, I, I do believe it. And then I came across all these, uh, well, this Greek word, <laughs> oligopistis, oligopistis. And, and it's, it, everywhere that word is, it's translated little faith. You remember Jesus said to, well, he said to his disciples on more than one occasion, oh, you of little faith. In fact... As you have pointed out, was it you or somebody's pointed out on here? Oh, no, it was Josh giving us about the, uh, the fasting and praying, about the man that came and said, oh, your disciples couldn't uh, cast this, this demon out. And he says, oh, you of little faith. And I, I thought, well, how do you, what's my measurement of faith? You know, uh, uh, Lord, I, I'm, I'm going to find out what is my measurement of faith because um, in Romans 1, 20, is it, around about there, it says, God has dealt to every man a measure of faith. So everybody has got a measure of faith, at least enough to believe that Jesus is their Savior and get saved and get born again. Everybody's got enough faith for that. That's every, everybody has been given a measure of faith. So I'm saying, well, what my, is my measure little faith? Or is my measure like those two people that Jesus said in the Bible has great faith? 
Oh, he says, you have got great faith. In fact, of the Roman centurion, he said, I've not seen faith like this. No, not in all Israel. Wow, what faith. I think, wow, if I could have faith like that. Because I'm thinking of little faith as a measurement of quantity, not having very much. But little faith, this oligopistic word means lacking in confidence faith. That's what it's about. It's about, do I really have the confidence to believe? If, and Jesus said, if you've, got, if you've got faith, the grain of a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, he says on one occasion, or to this uh, mulberry tree, be plucked up and be cast into the sea. If you don't doubt in your heart. And you can make that happen. Now, it's such a... It's such an outrageously, ridiculously impossible thing for it to happen that Jesus uses this to say, even if you have faith that is just the size of a mustard seed, it's not how big a measurement it is, it's how confident you are in declaring it. And I've got a new confidence in my faith. I might not say I've got great... In fact, here's a funny thing. The, the two people that Jesus said had great faith, they weren't covenant Jewish people. They were, they were Gentiles. The Syrophoenician woman was one, and the, the, the Roman centurion was the other. They weren't of the nation of Israel. They hadn't got all the covenant promises. They hadn't got anything. And yet Jesus said, of those only two, you've got great faith. Because they had everything stacked against them to believe. Not covenant people, not anything, no, no rights in God, no promises in God, no anything in God. And yet they believed. In fact, there was that other woman. Oh, <laughs> you know, she kept shouting after him. And by the way, these two guys, uh, the Syrophoenician lady and the centurion, they weren't asking for themselves. They were asking. The centurion wanted it for his servant, not for him. And, he want, and the lady wanted it for her daughter, not for herself. <laughs> and then there's this other lady, you know, that touched the hem of his garment who had an issue of blood. And I, I mean, how low do you have to get to touch somebody's hem of the garment? I'm talking about those hems, not these hems. Uh, I, I, mean, <laughs> I, I, don't, I mean, the hems that the guys wore, you know, the long, you know, how low do you have to get to touch a hem like that? I couldn't even get down. Well, I probably could get down, but I'd never get up again. <laughs> but I'm going to get up again one day. Hallelujah. Anyway, so, so there it is. So I'm saying to myself, all right. And then, and then 1 John 5, 14 and 15. I start to read this because it's got this word confidence in it. And this is the confidence we have. 1 John 5, 14. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if he hears us, we have the petitions that we ask of him. And, and it's, it's a done deal. <laughs> I didn't say that in the Bible. That's my bit at the end. But you see, whenever I've read that, <laughs> you, know, and it, you know, I think I'm a man of the word. And, but whenever I've read that previously to these last few months... I've always thought, for if we ask anything according to his will, ah, that's God's escape clause. 
so that he can say, oh, well, that's not my will. <laughs> that's, how I, that's genuinely how I used to think about it. I used to think, oh, well, but then if his word is his will, if it's his will to heal me, that's his will. In fact, I've even got to a point of believing it's God's will to heal everybody every time, all the time. That's how, that's how confident. In fact, we have a friend whose daughter, she's only in her 40s, got cancer all over her body. And we went to pray for her. Now, previously, you know, I'd go and pray and say, well, Lord, bless them and put your hand upon them and just, you know, give them peace and all that kind of stuff. You know, pray a nice prayer. But this time when I went, oh, not on your life, no, no faffing around. This is the confidence we have, that if we ask anything according to his will, and it's will to heal you, it's his will to heal you. It's his will to heal you right now. Two weeks later, she sends me a text, the lesions in my brain are disappearing. Hallelujah. What a wonderful thing. And now I'm not saying... Look, there's mysteries around everything regarding healing. Don't misunderstand me. Don't think, oh, Brother Bob's got it all together now. No, I haven't got it all together. But the bit I have got together has made me so confident that I'm believing that if anybody is here is sick this morning, you need healing, you can be healed this morning. You can walk out of here. You say, well, why aren't you healed? I don't know yet. I don't know, but I'm going to be one day. Even if it's when I die and go to be with Jesus, I'm going to get healed then anyway. I'm going to get, I'm going to get a new body. And it, and it, but no, I mean, I'm believing for it now because I've got a job to do for Jesus. I've got something yet to fulfill. I've still got a mission to fulfill. I want to go to India in January and minister in India. I want to... I want to I say I want to. I believe it's the Lord's will for me to do it. So anyway, I better get on to, there's a lot more things about that. But So what's my faith then? And what's your faith? On a number of occasions, Jesus said, according to your faith, be it unto you. He didn't say whether it was little, big, great, small, whatever. Just according, in fact, of one person, he says, as you have desired, so let it be. Never mind even praying, you know, just as you've desired. Because it says in Psalm 37 that he'll give us the desires of our hearts. I, I, I pray that nearly every day, that he'll give us, you know, uh, I, I want to trust in the Lord and do good. I want to dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. This is Psalm 37. I want to commit, I, I want to delight myself in the Lord. And I used to pray so he can give me the desires of my heart. But he's going to give them me anyway. Not so I, not because, oh, I've got to do this and I've got to do that. And I've got to do this and I've got to do that. And, oh, and then I'll give you your desire. Give us a break. That, that person that came to them and, and, and he says, as you have desired, go, go in peace. Uh, uh, your daughter is made whole. No, so it's according to my faith. And, you know, faith does have to grow a bit. Uh, it's, uh, it needs to develop. Somebody, I've just read Smith Wigglesworth, The Apostle of Faith, a little book. He's an old Pentecostal guy. You, you won't even know about him. But he, 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 was a, 
Oh, some of you do know about him. All right, yeah. Smith Wigglesworth, he was a plumber in Bradford in Yorkshire, in England. And he, he couldn't read or write, and he got saved in the Salvation Army. And his wife, Alice, taught him to read and write. And when he was about 55, he started going ministering and preaching and healing people in the name of Jesus. <laughs> and he was a bit of a rough and ready kind of guy, you know. Should you say, don't, don't ever tell him you've got a stomach complaint because he'd thump you in the stomach <laughs> in the name of Jesus, you know, come out of him. And he, he, was, he was a bit tough. But um, his, uh, he had gallstones for three years. And he went out preaching, still preaching, and in agony and in pain. And, and uh, until uh, after three years, it took three years for, it, for, the, for that to go. But there's one final thing about this, and that is the power of the name of Jesus. You see, if I don't have anything else, I've got the same thing that Peter had when he raised that man who was sick at the gate beautiful in Acts chapter 3. Peter said, well, the man said he wanted some money. You know, he asked, for, he asked somebody said he asked for arms and they gave him legs. But it's, uh, it's the A-L-M-S, you know, not A-R-M-S, arms, you know, get arms, arms for the love of Allah, you know, arms for the, like that. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> and Peter says, I haven't got what you want, <laughs> but I can give you what you need. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up. And, and he took him by. And this man had been lame from his mother's womb 40, more, 40 or more years. So I'm thinking, wow, if there's that power in the name of Jesus for that to happen to that man. I mean, he's a ho no hoper, you know, 40 years. That's, there's every hope for me to get a bit of gristle put into this these bones, and I don't say put a gristle, whatever God's got to do, he may just have to numb it, and that's it, you know, never mind the gristle, just, 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 just make it as thick as my head, and it'll be okay, number two, hey, number two, <laughs> so, so that's what I've been thinking, I've been meditating, can you understand how I've been meditating on that, and I'm full of confidence by the grace of God, to believe that Nothing is impossible with God here this morning. We prayed for the Holy Spirit to just guide us in the truth that I've got to share this morning. I might not get to the end of this. Um, John Luke's going to get up and start playing his guitar when it's time for me to finish. Because, because I'm, ne I'm never going to get to the end of this. I, there's too much. Because it's in me. Ooh. And it's not just in me for me. It's in me for you as well by the grace of God. And what you have in you is in you. God's given you a measure of faith to believe. Number two, so what I've been speaking out, there's, there's two words in the New Testament that we, <laughs> again, when I used to read the word confess, I used to think, tell, tell, us, tell God everything I've done wrong. <laughs> uh, you know, to, uh, say all the bad things I've done. That's confessing, isn't it? You know, confess your faults one to another. Say, but it's, it actually, it means, the word in the original Greek, it means to be in agreement with. It's the word homologio. And it means to be in agreement with. And then, then there's exomologio, which is to affirm 
your belief in something. Uh, when you confess something, you affirm your belief in it. Now, I've, 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 I've been into this for quite a while. And, you know, I'm talking about Mark 11, 22, where Jesus said, uh, uh, have faith in God. The disciples, what, what had happened, uh, they'd, and it's only Mark's gospel that gives you these details about it. Uh, they'd, three days earlier, they'd gone past a fig tree and uh, Jesus couldn't find any fruit on it. I've not got my head around this yet because it says in the Bible that it wasn't the season for fruits. So I think, well, why did he go and have a look for fruit on it? But anyway, that's another story in itself. I'll get my head around that one day by the grace of God. Maybe Alex will be, he knows everything, Alex. He, he can tell me, Alex. Anyway, he, he, the, 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 he says, he curses the fig tree. It's the only thing in the Bible Jesus ever cursed. In actual fact, when we went to the city of Hull to take over the church in Hull, it was called the Fig Tree Gospel Hall. The only thing in the Bible Jesus ever cursed, and we had it for the name of our church, the Fig Tree Gospel Hall. Anyway, never mind about that. These disciples were a bit the same. And they, they came to the, uh, and no, no fruit. So he cursed the fig tree. Three days later, they come walking back by that very tree. And uh, Peter says, hey, the fig tree which thou cursest is withered away. Because obviously it didn't wither immediately when Jesus said to it, no more fruit grow on you from now on. It was only three days later. Obviously, Peter may not have believed it when it happened because he didn't see it happen. And sometimes you've got to get beyond what your senses tell you and believe what God's word says more than what your senses say. I've got to believe God's word more than what my hip's telling me. Because by the grace of God, once you start confessing and speaking it out, that's why in, in Joshua 1, 9, this, uh, um, this word of the Lord shall not depart out of your, it doesn't say out of your heart or out of your mind, but out of your mouth. You've got to be prepared to say it, speak it out, not just for your own sake and certainly not for God's sake because he knows what you're thinking anyway. But maybe you need to speak it out and I need to speak it out to let the devil know where I stand in regard to this. Because the devil does not know what I'm thinking. He does not know what I... He only knows what comes out of my mouth, what the evidence is, what he can see. He's not omniscient like God is, knows everything all the time. And so, and so here's... They say, oh, and Jesus says, have faith in God. For you, if you say to this mountain, be thou removed and be cast into the sea... And I've, 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 I've exercised, now I'm not into, I'm not into blab it and grab it. I'm not into that kind, you know, uh, oh Lord, I want a Rolls Royce tomorrow morning, you know, and speak it out, I'm confessing a Rolls Royce tomorrow. I don't need a Rolls Royce. <laughs> and my God shall supply all your needs. But there was a time when I needed a car. And I was spending more time underneath the one that I had than I spent driving it, fixing it up. It was such a mess and, such, and I was getting sick and tired of it. And, and I started to believe God for a car. In fact, I went to a garage 
and put my best suit on. I put my suit and my tie on. I looked real posh, you know, as if I got a bit of, a bit of got, oh, and they were all over me like a big soft dog, you know. The, <laughs> oh, 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 yes, Mr. Stevenson. Oh, no, Mr. Stevenson. Oh, yes, oh, I've come to, uh, I need a new car. Oh, yes, yeah, well, you know, and you're, oh, yeah, and had the brochure, took the brochure, uh, said, right, I'll just think about it, and, I, and off I went outside, and still hadn't got the money for it. I went to preach that weekend up in Sunderland, and uh, and I preached, and I thought I'm going to I'm going to tell I'm going to show them this brochure and tell them this is the car I'm going to get, <laughs> and I was preaching on this Mark 11, <laughs> I, I was preaching on it, and but when it got to the to the point of showing, <laughs> I got scared. <laughs> I thought no, I better not, because it might not happen. <laughs> I got scared. But they asked me to speak, tell a story to the kids in the afternoon. So I thought, oh, I'll, t- I'll tell the kids because they won't know any different. <laughs> and I said to the kids, hey, can you see this car here? Next time I come here, I'm going to be driving a brand new car like this. It's all wonderful. <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, I just left it with the Lord. And then one day a lady came to visit, well, stay with us. She said, I've come to take you out to buy you a new car. I got a brand new car. Six seats in it. I'd actually done the funeral for her husband. He was a miner. And uh, he got blown up in the mines. And uh, he was a lovely man of God. And his wife came. And I did the funeral and everything. But she came out. We said, come and have some time with us, you know. She took us out to buy this car. Fantastic story. I used to roll up preaching outside churches in this brand, and they'd think, what are you doing with that brand new car? You're a preacher. You shouldn't have anything as good as this, you know. You should have an old bomb, you know, never mind getting a new car. So I've tested this. It works. It's It's not just work for me for cars. It's work for houses. We've given houses away. Well, one house. One house. Oh, I can't go into it all. Ah. Garfield, I, I started saying, I'm going to preach in America because I thought that's where all the money is, you know. <laughs> I thought I'll go to America. And I started telling everybody, I'm going to America to, to minister. But I hadn't got any invites. <laughs> But I just started saying, because I believed that God wanted me to. I mean, I, I wasn't just saying it. I really did believe it. You know, I, I mean, understand, you've got to get it according to your faith. Not any, nobody else can go to the gym for you. You've got to go for the gym. If you want to, if you want to improve your health, you've got, you, nobody can go to the gym and say, oh, I've been to the gym for you, and you're feeling a lot better now. No, <laughs> no, it's according to your faith, to my faith. And, and I just felt this was a, you know, so I've proved this, and I've seen it happen. And <laughs> anyway, I won't go into, that's another story I'll, I'll share, that's another time. But so here's, here's this confessing. So I've been speaking to my infirmity, imposing imposing the truth of God over the facts. Now, I am, 
there are some word of faith people that won't ever say, oh, I've got cancer, or I'm sick, or I've got this. Oh, no, if you say that, you're confessing it. That's a load of baloney. As if God doesn't know what you, what's wrong with you, you know. <laughs> In fact, Jesus, that very incident that Josh was referring to there, of the man with the boy, uh, with, with the... Jesus actually, in Mark 10, actually says to him, uh, how long has he been like this? He actually goes into the whole, tell me what's the whole story about this lad's sickness. So we don't have to deny something. I prayed for a lady over at Grace Life some, some months ago. Uh, Josh asked, if there's somebody near, just go and pray. And this lady, and I, uh, and I said, what would you like me to pray for? She said, well, the fact is I've got cancer. But the truth is, I am healed in Jesus' name. And I thought, that was fantastic. Because the truth must always take precedence over the facts. Yeah, the fact was, that man uh, had been sick for over 40 years at the Great Beautiful, crippled uh, at the Great Beautiful. That's the fact. But, that, but the truth was, he could be healed in the name of Jesus. And he was. And John says to, to his... To his uh, uh, beloved Gaius in, in 1 John 3. Oh, beloved Gaius, he says, I, I, I pray that you'll prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. And I have no greater joy than to see my children walking in the truth. Oh. <laughs> right, that's... that's <laughs> we've done think. We've, <laughs> we've done... We've done confessing, now we've got to act. I've got two or three minutes to act. <laughs> okay, I'm planting, here's how I'm acting. I am planting the seed in me. Because the seed is the word. And the word has power inherent in itself. Even Jesus said this uh, uh, when he was telling one of his parables, you know, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abides alone. But if it die, it brings forth much fruit. And uh, on another part, where the, where the disciples actually ask him, oh Lord, will you increase our faith? He says, he doesn't say, oh yes, let me pray for you. <laughs> no. He says, oh, listen, here's the, it's first the year, then the corn, then the full corn in the ear. If you want to get your faith increased, get planting some seed and let it grow in good ground and let it get going and let it get fertilized and let it get germinating and it will bring forth. All you've got to do is plant and that's what I'm doing. I've even got my folder here of my creative miracle folder with all, all my planting of my seed is all in here. I carry it around with me in my thing. Every, every moment I've got, my, I've got my thing with my, my memory verses on. And this is, a, this is a, a leaflet on believing the truth more than my actual experience or senses. Amplified Bible, Hebrews 11. Now faith is the assurance, the confirmation or title deed of things we hope for. You asked us to get a bit of hope in our hearts this morning. That we hope for being the proof of things we do not see. 
and the conviction of their reality, faith perceiving as a real fact what is not revealed to the senses. Isn't that marvelous? Faith revealing as a, and faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, and by it the elders obtained a good report. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which were are seen were not made of things which do appear. <laughs> it was made by creative miracle. Trees weren't made of wood. God didn't go looking around the universe for some wood to make trees of. He just said, let there be trees. Things that were not seen were made creatively. And here we are this, this morning. And we're able to believe for a creative miracle. We hope you've enjoyed listening to this podcast from Grace Life Church. For more information about us or any of our services, please visit our website at gracelife.com.au. Dot com.au